You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I said, where have you been? I was about to put you on. He says, oh, I want to go to the toilet. <laughs> If, they, if a lot of supporters who turned out the first game realised how close it was to being a disaster. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if Ossie Albion hold the record for the most bizarre postponement that football's probably ever seen. We had lads drunk on the plane to start off with. The manager saying, um, I'm going to have them, going to send them back on the first plane home. We get there, he doesn't do anything. So the coach company said, well, we ain't taking you, the team, until we get our money up front. Hello, listeners. It's Daz here at Pint of Football, bringing you some more delicious bonus content from season one of our Lost Club series. We have heard some amazing stories from ex-players, chairmen and founding members of Phoenix clubs who have kindly shared their stories with us about the horrific demise of their football clubs. In season one, we interviewed people involved with Aldershot, Stone Dominoes, Osset Albion, Town and United, as well as the finale episode from Hereford United which is coming soon. With hours of content to work through and a serious story to tell, naturally some of the tales we were told did not make it into the final episodes, but one question that we asked each of our 14 interviewees was for them to tell us an interesting story that people may not have heard before. It's safe to say that amongst pre-season fights in Spain, a missing substitute in Ellesmere and a suspected dead body at a ground in Yorkshire, we could not share these with our listeners. Kicking off the top five Lost Clubs stories is Andy Mayer recalling his efforts to get Aldershot Town's kit to the ground for their first ever game. If, they, if a lot of supporters who turned out the first game realised how close it was to being a disaster, <laughs> and, and this is only because the fact we didn't have any kit. <laughs> and we yeah, were playing that's not a good sign. Like, well, we were playing in the tournament. You know, on the week, on whatever weekend was, well, certainly a Saturday, and 
the club, we had this phoenix, you know, and the emblem, the chairman was all over it. And we had a stamp being made and it hadn't been made. And then we, I knew where the kit supply was that I'd been involved in. And it seemed silly, but no one else seemed to know where they were. <laughs> and I remember meeting the chairman, Steve, the manager, they were parked up just off the road towards London, the A3. I met them at a pre-arranged time. I took them across to where Ribeiro, their, their premises were, and um, with all big ideas of kit, you know, what we would have and what colours. And what we ended up with, it was a matter of what they could get us in time to start the season. And it was Woking's kit, in actual fact, <laughs> with with just the collar taken off and a blue one put on there. It was the same. That's great. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. And, and then... This weekend we were playing in this uh, trophy Simpson Air Cup or something. Three other local teams, um, several games, and I went and, and it got to the Saturday and it was going to be ready on the Saturday morning, right? And I left that kit place at ten past. I remember it was ten past one, and we were kicking off at three o'clock, I think with a boot full of stuff. I've been there all morning from about eight and they were pressing the shirts and mate, have we got this? And I got there and everyone was freaking relieved because we had no kit. <laughs> you know? But we did have kit, it was in the boot. If I'd have broken down or something, you know, yeah, whatever. That would have been the end of all the shots. Done bare thinking about it, it would have been a huge embarrassment <laughs> and all the doubters would have gone, ah, oh, you'll get 500 people and it won't be any good, you know. They were at a they'd have had a field day, but as it was, it didn't happen. And you know, I managed to get, yeah, I got the kit there and we played the game and we, you know, everything from that moment after five minutes we scored and we were up and running. Nice. Um, you know, so yeah. Brilliant stuff there from Andy. And I think we can all agree that his story is a great introduction. When a Phoenix club is set up, there are more things that can go wrong than right, yet everyone places a high expectancy on the new club to be as professional as the old one, even though the reincarnation is often founded at the lowest levels of the pyramid and fueled on passionate volunteers rather than an army of backroom staff. Thankfully, though, Andy got the kit to the game and all was okay in the end. Next up, we move over to Osset Albion to hear how Neville Wigglesworth tells us about his club's claim to having the strangest ever match postponement in football. A bold claim indeed. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if Osset Albion hold the record, if that's the right uh, terminology, for the most bizarre postponement that football's probably ever seen. And um, we had our, mid our designated um, midweek night was Tuesday. Uh, and uh, we had one particular week uh, a Tuesday game scheduled at home. Now, the new owners had originally this grandiose scheme to uh, develop the Dimple Wells complex into a, um, a really superior stadium. Uh, grants were being applied for, plans were being drawn up. And one of the things that had to happen uh, had to be um, a survey. Uh, and uh, as uh, the 
old Albion Gimple Bells ground was actually constructed or built on a landfill site. Um, they had to do core drillings uh, to see what the what the the ground was like underneath the plane surface. So uh, we've got the game on the Tuesday night, and unannounced, uh, a team of workmen showed up on the Monday uh, prior to the game, and the groundsman was doing his preparation with all kinds of drilling equipment. Uh, and they started these core drillings. And the groundsman was going, I mean, he, he, I once remember him threatening a visiting goalkeeper with a shovel just because he'd simply scratched marks, you know, to indicate where the posts were. And there we have these workmen drilling uh, 15 centimetre holes uh, all over his pitch. Uh, now, remember I said it was built on a land site a landfill site and often if ever we had dug down we used to find you'll be too young to know this but way back in the past there used to be glass bottles which had ribs on them and if you found one of those it was always a bottle that uh, had contained poison so the drillers come in they're no more than a foot down when they dig up a bottle which has got poison written on it. Uh, they continue drilling and hit something hard. Uh, the workmen stopped, called for the foreman who came over and had a look. Uh, in his opinion, he determined that what they'd hit was a bone. And he was of the opinion that it could be uh, a shin bone. So Work grinds to a halt and he rings his boss who appears on site uh, within what seemed like minutes. He had a look and he decided this needed uh, uh, further action and phoned the police. The police came down. They looked, again, the evidence in their eyes with one poison bottle and one fairly long bone. So two more squad cars came, complete with the tape, you know, where they cordon off a facility and declare it a major crime scene, which is exactly what they did. Told us that this was going to be a lengthy investigation and we better postpone the Tuesday game, which we did. Um, the following, uh, they even had police officers on site overnight. I didn't think it was the cleverest idea, but they did stay in the bar all through the night. And the following morning, the forensic squad arrived. Um, the groundsman actually had told them that, you know, this poison bottle and the, and the bomb, he said, I'll just throw it over the wall. But it, it needed examining in case it was more sinister than that. Uh, in actual fact, it turned out that it was uh, somewhere decades ago, somebody had put the bones of a pig uh, in this landfill site and it worked its way up. But uh, we lost the Tuesday night game because of a bottle of poison and a pig's shin bone. That's, <laughs> that's definitely that's an interesting story, Neville. That's, 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 
Very interesting. <laughs> Best I can do for you. A bottle of poison and a pig's shin bone. Nope. Can't think of a weirder reason to postpone off the top of my head. That story is going to be hard to top, but I think we have three more contenders in our archive, and the next one comes from Hereford legend Rob Purdy. This was a very special interview for us at the time because it was our first with an ex-pro, and when it came to an interesting story, he did not disappoint. The full episode of Hereford's Lost Clubs is due out very soon, but in the meantime, here is a teaser into what to expect. So I can tell you the reason why we got relegated that season. Okay. And it started, it started in pre-season and it ended sort of well, it just carried on throughout the season. And it was just like the whole season was just a mess. I mean, when you know when like people say you don't want a relegation on your CV. So we yeah. got relegated that season. I think six of us got a move to League One. That's how good that squad was. <sighs> Um, you know, most teams, you get relegated. If you're lucky, you might scrape another team in that league. But six of us were playing in League One next year. Um, but the way it all fell down was just attitude, management and everything. We went to Mercer pre-season. Um, it was supposed to be a big tour. We just finished third bottom the season before. So it was like kind of get the new squad together, go down, go over to Mercia in, um, in Spain. Uh, team bonding, everything like that. We get there, and it was just we had lads drunk on the plane to start off with. Oh, uh, the manager saying, um, "I'm going to have, I'm going to send them back on the first plane home." We get there, he doesn't do anything. Uh, we go out in Mercia for a night. I think it's like Thursday night. There's no one out, or just a few locals who don't like the fact that there's 20 English idiots out drinking. We get on the coach and there was, I think, three separate punch-ups on the coach between the players. Uh, oh, my God. You had two players starting an argument like with one lad who started crying. Then we get back to the hotel and those two start having a fight. Another one joins in that fight. Then you've got two other players trying to smash a glass door to get to each other. Um, with little James McQuilkin trying to pull one of them back, which is just like a flipping fly on the back of a lion, like. And I remember thinking, this is just a nightmare. And I looked and the management team were just stood watching us laughing. And I remember thinking, this team is not going to go well. And then that season, it was just mess up after mess up after mess up. We had... We had a guy come in called Gary Peters whose philosophy in football is you give the ball away to win it back in a better area. So his philosophy ah. was you kick it as far as you can. And that was what he said. We'll, and I remember saying to him, but there's no one there. You still want me to do it? He's like, yeah, we'll give it away. Then we can win it back in a better area. I'm like, why can't we just keep the ball and not have to win it back? Uh, <laughs> we, had the, we, had the, we had the manager and uh, I think there was about 12 games left. And the manager had learned this from Graham Turner. So when he came out with it, I thought, perfect. This is exactly what we need. He came out with a board and had 12 games in it, but the last 12 games of the season. And then Graham Turner used to do it. And Graham Turner used to say, right, so in those three games, let's win four points. You know, you look at the games and think, tough games, let's win four points in those four games. So I thought that's what the manager was going to do. So he gets his board out. And we've got Swindon away first game and they're uh, top of the league Swindon. So 12 games left, the first one's from the Lego. Right, let's see how we're going to stay up. 
And you look, this is a Friday, so the day before we're traveling over to Swindon. Swindon tomorrow, for me, we'll lose that. And you put an L next to it. What? <laughs> I just could, I, I lost my head. So I'm at the front. I was captain at the time as well. So I've got, whoa, 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 whoa. Pitts, name James Pittman. Pitts. You can't go into a game thinking that we're going to lose it. And he threw his pen at me. All right, then what do you want to do? Angry straight away. So I'm like, <laughs> so I'm like, right, let's, and I said about, you know, break it up into three games each. Let's get four points. And that's how he goes, I'll tell you what we'll do. Picks his pen back up. We'll put the games that we're going to win. He went down those 12 games. We we're only winning two. So it was just like, we went into the next 12 games like, well, this is just pointless. You know, like I say, some of us have the right attitude. But yeah, he went down these 12 games and we only got a W for two games. And then he went back to the top and put a couple of draws in. And in the end, we didn't have enough points to stay up from what he'd started. But it was that type of thing. So players' attitudes are a huge thing about football. And if you think, as I say, like the amount of those players that stayed, that stayed in the league and went to League One from that, and a lot of the other players stayed in League Two as well. We had such a good squad. Really, really good squad and players went on to have decent careers, but just that attitude and that like management of players, it just showed me what a good manager can do with a group of players. And to go to Mercy at the start of the season and have three separate fights between your squad and you just all kind of stood there with your arms folded laughing, it just set the tone. Um, but yeah, yeah, that was that was the reason why Hereford fell out of the league. A reminder that the full episode of the Hereford edition of Lost Clubs will be due out soon, so do keep your eyes peeled for more from Rob. For now, though, we are coming towards the end of the episode, and I have just two more stories to share. In at number two, we have Alan Baxter, a man who I worked with during my time at Stone Dominoes in the Northwest Counties League, and he retells a tale that I had the misfortune of seeing firsthand. At the time, it was not a laughing matter. But looking back, it was a very memorable and humorous incident. There's some things that stick in my mind. And another pivotal pivotal night was we played Ellesmere. We were bottom of the league away. They were two points behind us. Um, and the one who finished bottom, the rumour was, because they were restru- doing some restructuring or some from the other league was folding, the only the bottom team that go down. That's oh. what we heard, and that that's what happened in the end. So we had a had a big game at Ellesmere, yeah, yeah. and um, we we didn't have a bad squad out that night. But we only had we only had twelve players, and the sub was some young lad who was about seventeen who probably wasn't wouldn't have been ready for that standard uh, physically yet. But you know, still still a, still a sub. And he was he was keen to uh, be involved in that. Uh, and we had a player that was struggling with the injury, so was, you know, so get yourself warmed up. Um, and it was nil nil, and there's about six minutes. There's about ten minutes left. As get you get yourself warmed up, you're going on. Anyway, this lad came off the pitch. He was injured. I looked around. Where was he? He in there. The subs disappeared. <laughs> um, and so we've got oh, 10 men and in that time they scored and then he come he come back and I said where have you been I was about to put you on he says oh I want to go to the toilet 
Wow. So that cost, doesn't that? <laughs> so that stuck in my mind. Um, well, he won't do that again, will he? Some might put that one down to naivety. At the time, we did not. Still, a funny memory to look back on and a reminder that there are so many weird and wonderful factors that can lead towards a club's extinction. So, to recap, at number five, we had Andy Mayer and his mad rush to get a kit. In at four, there was Neville's poisoning postponement incident. Third place in the top five was Rob Purdy pinpointing the moment that Hereford United fell apart. Whilst in second, Alan gave us a crucial lesson on when it is not okay to go for a wee. The number one slot in this countdown sees us come full circle and return to Aldershot, the same club with whom we kicked off our Lost Clubs series. If you haven't listened to this episode or the others, then you can do by heading over to www.pintoffootball.co.uk and you'll find all of our content listed on the web player. Equally, you can find us on Spotify and Spreaker, amongst others. We also have some more light-hearted content through our In The Mix and The Ground Crawlers episodes. In the meantime, though, I'm delighted to hand over to Graham Brookland for the story that I am nominating as our number one tale from season one of Lost Clubs. This is a, probably sum it up. It's quite a funny story, but with a with a funny twist to it, really, is because the club had no money. We we were the supporters club were paying for the coach travel. So the coach company said, well, we ain't taking you, the team, until we get our money up front, which, to be fair, to a, football, to a club that's just been um, in administration on the verge of liquidation, is probably a fair, fair assessment from the coach company. But that was in the days where you could only get a certain amount of money out from each building society. So I had to go on the morning of the game. I went to the order shot. I think it was a Halifax, the order shot one, the um, Farnborough one, and the Farn, I think it's Farnham one, but I had to go to three different building societies to get the money out from each one. So I had the cash that I could get then give to the coach driver before we went off. And the funny thing was, when I got back, all the players are sitting on the coach and they're going, for crying out loud, where have you been? We want to get going. And <laughs> little did they know I was going around getting the money so we could get, give to the coach guy so we could get going. And it's a farce, really, when you think back. But that's exactly what happened. And uh, we went up to Cardiff. They were fantastic, Cardiff City. And we lost 2-0. Very emotional. All our fans were in one corner. And, it was, you know, it was a very emotional time. And I can always remember coming back on the team coach. And I was with Terry Owens, funny enough, who, you know, that, that story is a different one coming up. And I can and Ian Reid, a guy called Ian Reid, who's a fantastic supporter, a very good friend of mine, um, Again, another former chairman of the supporters club. You know, for us, it's you know, we have a, a very similar outlook on on how football clubs should be and, and the relationship with supporters. And I can we was outside the Tony's chip fish and chip bar in Aldershot High Street. At, I don't know one o'clock in the morning, having a bag of chips, thinking what on earth has gone on here. And it's just a surreal feeling, horrible feeling. Um, and then a few days later, the club folded, and it probably hit home. And there's a photograph somewhere of myself, Steve Wignall, Ian McDonald outside the main gates of the football club when they've got um, a locksmith coming in, changing the locks 
on 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 the main entrance to the to the football club. That was a few days later, and and that was it. And that was the end of Aldershot Football Club. It's hard to know whether to laugh or cry at that one, isn't it? A very insightful final story, which has moments of madness, a humorous undertone, and ultimately a very interesting tale that completely highlights why we started Lost Clubs. We will be back with another season of Lost Clubs in the future, and we have ambitions to take on the hugely tragic stories of clubs such as Macclesfield Town, Scarborough, Bury, and the former Fulham Ladies Football Club. Cheers for listening, and please do check out more of our Lost Clubs content. If you have enjoyed this presentation, please feel free to follow us on Twitter at POF underscore reviews, on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash pint of football. Uh, we also have a website, pintoffootball.co.uk, I believe. And we have recently joined Twitch, where we will be streaming Football Manager, and that's twitch.tv forward slash pint of football. Thank you very much. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.